on June 4 and 6, the AI unit of the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare, Wadwani AI, participated in the G20 Third Health Group meeting that was held in Hyderabad. The meeting aimed to highlight the government's focus on AI in the healthcare sector. Hi there, welcome to the BL podcast. This is Nabodita Ganguly. I'm joined by Shekhar Shiva Subramanian, the Chief Executive Officer of Wadwani AI. He talks to me about Wadwani AI's recent G20 participation, the AI solutions that are being used by the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare, and more. Listen in. Hi Shekhar, thank you so much for joining me. Hello. Thank you very Hi. much for yeah. thank you very much for inviting me. So how are things with you? It must be pretty hectic considering the recent G20 summit you just attended. Uh yes, uh things are hectic on all fronts um because we have uh, significantly increased our participation with the government and the government is heavily focused on ensuring that the AI work they're doing in their respective departments gets showcased in G20 summits several summits we've been involved in mm-hmm. and over and about that the underlying uh, space of AI is having a tectonic shift so all of this causes a huge amount of uh, opportunity application and also participation it really is positioning india very very well mm-hmm. uh, to kind of take a leadership position with the wide complexity the diverse data sets so mm. one the whole gamut of areas that ai can be applied for so it's, it's a very exciting time for for anybody in this space mm, that sounds extremely exciting for me i can't wait to ask like so many questions to you but i'll just start with uh, can you tell us a bit about your participation in the recent summit like the conversations you had the key points you guys spoke about and how was the response towards the participation overall uh we started participating in the G20 summits in the area of health uh, we have a fairly close relationship with the ministry of health and the way we participate with the government is um the solutions that we actually create for them um we're very excited to see the initiative with which they take ownership of it so to a large extent we are not as visible in our external communication but we really can consider ourselves as an extension to the government of india as we solve these problems mm-hmm. so first we spent time in tiruvananthapuram and we showcased so the other thing we have is a whole set of demos across all our solutions today we are working on about 30 solutions in ai which is across uh, healthcare education agriculture and slowly urban affairs and other skilling and other areas but uh, those Tiruvananthapuram meeting was centric on health and we started showcasing our solutions we have multiple areas and then we had the next meeting uh, which was in goa and there the government was very kind to present some of our solutions uh, as they had taken it over they taken complete ownership of it and they really presented it to the g20 countries so this included uh, solutions Uh, in the areas of uh, clinical decision support system we're doing work in terms of uh, interpreting radiology images uh, work in terms of dermatology centric images uh, we're also doing work in tb in multiple areas 
So all of this slowly and steadily, the government has started rolling these solutions out at scale, and therefore they're able to start talking about it as things that is really innovation that comes from India in AI. Uh, some of the unique uh, aspects of our solutions tend to be, first of all, it's tightly integrated into a very large deployment infrastructure, which is not true of the world. So most countries tend to not to have that large a footprint. So when you look at what we call health and wellness centers in rural India, that's 1,50,000, 150,000 centers pan India. That's a very large footprint for a solution. Mm -hmm. So once you start looking at it in that context, when you start AI in that context, in terms of doing some work, both in terms of provisional diagnostics, making recommendations over a period of time, including large language models, providing an ASHA assistant, integrating dermatology, you're suddenly talking of a starting off a fairly massive intervention in the world of health. So these are the kind of themes that was presented by the government. We also had a store. I was there as well. So several countries were very excited to see the progress that was made in India in these spaces. And they were particularly excited with the scale and the opportunity set that this provides. So our thinking is to give an integrated view for health and the same thing on other other domains as well. Hmm. So the, the way you have to solve for such problems is when you solve the problem in five or six or seven aspects of uh, the area, such as you solve it for dermatology, you do it for radiology, you do it for ophthalmology, you do it for different aspects, and then you combine lab-based information, and then you combine the delivery mechanism. As you build each of these solutions, the interconnections between them start appearing in a very nice way. And then suddenly, it's like a tipping point. At some point, what will happen is that the scale, the adoption, the usefulness, and the impact of these solutions will just suddenly take off. We are not yet at that point. I, I would suggest that we are maybe 6 to 12 months away before we see this massive transformative change that will take place. But all the building blocks are being built. They're either being built or deployed. And so the government is, of India is very, very supportive. And they're the ones who really communicate and convey the work that's taking place, which is the right way to do it to the world at large. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just out of curiosity, since when do you think is the government prioritizing and understanding the significance of AI as a whole? Now, in every conversation, some minister is always talking about AI. So since when did this change happen? I think um, to a certain extent, uh, this was always a topic of interest by the government okay. in the last two to three years. Uh, oh. But like everything, um, the first thing that people would like to see is, uh, first, as usual, whenever any topic gets discovered, uncovered, a lot of it tends to be through conversations, through dialogues, through presentations, through information dissemination and exchange between people. So that's nice. That creates a basic awareness. But what is far more powerful is when you can see it actually working, which means one of the things that we did uh, about, I would say about eight to 10 months ago, is to create demos for everything where you can actually showcase the solution. 
So we have an, so the consequence of that is that I would say over the last six to eight months, people have started experiencing it. Stage one is dialogue. Stage two is experience. And stage three, which was a tailwind we got through the technology itself changing, which made it far more broad and widespread and easy to use, was the large language models, the chat GPT, etc. So what's happened is uh, the nature of problems in the space, some of them can be solved with chat GPT. Of course, the nature of chat GPT, etc. There's a lot of rhetoric and hype that gets created. But it also has a positive impact and it creates a sense of awareness and a sense of urgency to try and use these technologies. So today, for instance, our institute is incorporating some of these, in fact, incorporating all of these advances uh, wherever applicable across all our solutions. So our solutions get richer and stronger. And the government, through using, I cannot overemphasize the need to deliver a solution, the software, the answer, the actual uh, application that somebody can click on and use. Once they get to see that, that's the wow move. And then a lot of connections start getting established because then they can start thinking of ideas such as we have a solution. I'll give you an example. We have a solution in the health space where what we do is we take information literally across millions of articles, published articles, across 10 to 12 different languages in India, and we extract specific information out of that in terms of what we call events of interest for disease surveillance. And then we provide this information to a to the health ministry centrally in India, who then evaluate it and then can start looking at it, whether it's an outbreak or not, and then start taking action to prevent it. So in our estimate, we probably touched 25 to 30 crore people as represented by media in India. We create about 60, 80 events, as we call it, health events in a day. Hmm. And then the central government is able to take action and in a very, very crude estimate, we may be now and over time saving 10, 20, 30,000 deaths. Okay. Now, that's one example. When we took the same solution, you can just adapt it. Instead of looking at health events, when we showed it, we socialized this with the agriculture department. They understood it. They supported us steadily. And now we have something called integrated agricultural news monitoring. It's the same context. Instead of health, now we're going to apply it in the world of agriculture. Instead of looking at diseases for people, we will start looking at aspects of interest with respect to matters of farm, crop, pesticide, seeds, prices. There's a lot of information that's available in public press, but this is not culled and taken out in an actionable manner. So technology really is doing a needle in a haystack which you cannot do otherwise. This is a huge area of interest. Agriculture is seriously interested in this. And the, this is an example where by seeing a solution, somebody suddenly, and by working with us, we, we come up with ideas mutually. We have been suggesting it. Now, the third, this is so common. Tomorrow, arguably, you may see this happen in our next call. We may start pushing for women's safety. So suddenly, in an urbanized or in a rural setting, you can start capturing that. Basically, what you're saying is, can you capture information in a systematic manner that then creates, that itself requires many, many AI models. And then we can start determining, you know, a heat map of India. You can say, 
on any one characteristic women's safety um uh, children safety uh, crop and diseases uh, human diseases so suddenly you're creating a massive ecosystem across domains in the social sector where government literally gets the information on the day it is occurring delivered to them on a website which they can take action immediately when they see these ideas and when they see this is working because all this is in production in other words we say it's a production meaning it's used that more than anything else is what causes interest among all people they're very excited when something actually starts working mm. so the, mm. the the dialogue the demos to the production and through this all the government officials all the senior folks in the government as they see this transformation they themselves start getting very excited and interested okay so on that note i think you spoke about some 30 solutions with regards to ai but i'd like to specifically focus on ministry of health and family welfare so what are the achievements made by the government with ai solutions on this uh, the government is directly responsible for adopting and rolling out these solutions so the way it works is we we work with the government and the first participation with them is to uh, allow us access to critical domain public health personnel whether they are located inside top health institutions like colleges of medical sciences pgi all the top bodies who are working with them. we have centers of excellence with them we work with them to identify problems to scope out problems so that is a huge buy in of one sort understanding mutual understanding because unless we can get that level of mutual understanding it's difficult to progress ahead so that's for area to the government participants and then we start creating wherever relevant uh, we source data sometimes from open data sets we give them basic models government helps us tremendously wherever relevant to data collection so they spend time in making sure that the way ai works is you can take a generic model which is trained on just any data but you can put a small amount of localized data let's say something that is very centric to your problem and you can make the general thing very specific we use that technique it's called transfer learning and we use that technique consistently for that the government has to support us in the second activity which is getting us some data so the first is defining the problem second is getting data third is piloting it once we create our solution and we create an application often we need to integrate it with existing a uh, government application so e sanjeevni is the name of the app which is created by cdat mohali e sanjeevni e sanjeevni is the name which is the app which goes out to the health and wellness sector span india Hmm. so our solution goes and sits as a bolt or piece inside isanjeevni so isanjeevni suddenly is now ai enabled okay so isanjeevni which until now say about six, four to six months ago did not have an ai component in it now has so we work closely with see that mohali and with their teams hmm. we work with nic we work with any institutional agency that is having the solution which they plan to roll out pan india and we 
intelligently put our solutions inside that. Because once you already have a deployment vehicle or you already have a pan-India reach, the correct way to do it is to not try and redo it with a parallel system. That's not the right way. It's to integrate into those systems because they already have some backing. They've already started rolling it out through the program. So that's the third thing that we do. That is integrated with their systems. And then they start piloting. Hmm. Piloting it means they're starting to use it. And then depending on the domain in health, there are specific approvals that may be needed with the government to make sure it's, it's something. Most of our work tends not to be in areas which may require extremely high uh, clinical trials, but there are areas where top agencies in India like ICMR etc. want to look at it, review it, evaluate it. So that is a valid process that takes place. So when the pilot takes place, the pilot results are provided, they're compared, whether the model is performing well, because that's how you work in a responsible manner. In as much as we want to be in a hurry, we must also be very cautious and careful that everything we do, A, has a scientific basis, B, has a total acceptance, and C, undergoes the rigor of validation before it goes in and touches the people. So that, again, the government helps us. So you're seeing multiple touch points, right, for problem definition, mm -hmm. data collection, to, you know, integration into the system, to piloting it, to validating it, and then it goes into deployment. So once it goes into deployment, that means it will start getting used across India. Hmm, understood. So like you explained the process, can you give us a few examples of cases like you spoke a bit about TV in the beginning? Yes. So maybe one or two cases where AI was used and the result, the success story behind it or sure. how it is going right now? Sure. So the one, the two massive solutions that are in production are clinical decision support system and integrated disease surveillance program. Both these have, have started getting wide scale adoption. There are four solutions in TB. One of them is called Live Probe Assay. It's a lab-based solution. It can be rolled across 80 to 90 labs in India. It does analysis of image-based output of a test called LPE or Live Probe Assay. And we're in the final stages of getting approvals in place. Later this year, this will get rolled out in India. Okay. Uh, there's another problem that we are working on uh, called COF uh, oh. for TB. So okay. the, it's a very, very exciting project because what we are saying is there is a signal in human sound. The underlying concept is that when human beings do something like a cough, maybe there is a signal or there is a way by which you can detect whether this individual has to be or not. Our solution is outperforming everything that we have found so far. Again, the TB division, the central TB division, CTD, has assisted us all through. That is... We have piloted it also in, in a state. After piloting it, right now we have to get the final approvals and start slowly rolling it out. We expect to start rolling it out towards the later part of this year. So, so how other... do mechanics work? Like if you if I cough, so there's a signal that you'll get No, we call it no, we call it a signal as a signal as a vector. So oh. essentially simply put from a from a user perspective, hmm. essentially you we try and tell people to cough into a device. Also, we may ask them to maybe say A, R, E, some basic instructed sounds which come into the system. Then the AI model should have the capability 
to try heavily to try and say, you know what, let's get this person tested. Okay. Now, mm. the way you optimize this model, and this directly goes to eliminating TB in India through the NTEP program. NTEP is National TB Elimination so NTEP goal is to eliminate TB in India by 2025. One of the ways to do this is to identify patients who may have TB. So this is something that in medical terms is measured by a term called sensitivity or recall. So the idea is, you know, you try and get people, take it, make sure you don't miss anybody. Even if you get 100 people, but you capture 90, 95% of them Generally, you feel you've captured well. Uspe agar kuch logo ke TV nahi bhi hai, to problem nahi hai. Lekin kisi ko miss mat pro. Because jo miss hota hai, that is the problem of the future. So we always want to, so the way you can define or design your AI solutions is try and optimize for one of these things. So what are we optimizing here? We're trying to make sure, get everybody. It's okay even if some of them don't have TV, but try not to miss anybody. So this is a very good way of um, a, a, a system that when it matures, uh, we are hoping that this can be used in slightly silent and controlled, but community settings. So any community, anywhere, an Asha worker, an Anganwadi worker, a community health uh, officer can use this. And the goal is we are planning, this will come over a period of time, this will also get integrated into ESG. Remember, you've got 150,000 centers span India. So why not integrate this also into ESG? Likewise, if the health worker in a village has a smartphone, and likely they will, or even if they don't, the government is again probably distributed to them. Then if you can take basic photographs of skin, of visible, obvious skin, Several disease symptoms can be caught, measles. Hmm. Several diseases can be caught. Again, integrated into ESG. So the way we are approaching it and the way the government is starting to roll things out is solve for dermatology problems, understand skill conditions, integrated into ESG. Solve for cough problem, understand it well, integrated into ESG. And into hospital management systems. There are multiple hospital management systems I think there's a next-gen system that's going to come out shortly. There are other government-based systems that they're rolling out to various uh, government facilities. Once we start getting into that level of rollout, then we just keep adding these pieces of AI to each of these, and it makes it AI. So okay. that's how we're doing it. So I explained to you IDSP. I told you briefly about CDSs. Clinical mm -hmm. decision support is a chatbot. It's an AI-powered chatbot where we elicit basic questions and based on the questions and the answers people give, it gives a basic uh, first diagnosis that the community health officer can see and then make a determination. It's a telemedicine application, particularly became popular with COVID, but it's very powerful for distant places so that the burden on a qualified medical professional reduces. So the front-end person can do a first-level analysis. We're at very early stages. But when this gets rolled out in matures and when the data becomes large and when the AI really matures in adoption, supported by LLMs to provide much better diagnostic care, this will go to the next level. 
also associated with this is linguistic motors and speech-based motors. The final goal is to hugely assist the human being to do the entire front-end healthcare delivery using AI. Very, very, it'll be multiple modes. So when a person speaks, it'll get translated using AI to text. The text will get analyzed. The symptoms will get elicited. The diagnostic will come out. The prescription can be generated. The follow-up can be done. This is not going to happen in one month and two months. Are there any risk in that? There are always chances of that diagnosis coming out as wrong, right? At every level. Hmm. Until this thing, all of these technologies perform at a level at which they are completely risk-free. It's exactly similar to a child having training wheels when they are riding a cycle. So the training wheel is a human So the way we design our systems is always with manual validation. When a manual validation, when a human being accepts a solution or overrides it, and we have to be very careful in ensuring that these things happen because human behavior also changes. After some time, people may be less attentive. Once they have an automated system, they'll be less attentive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to be very cautious of those things. And lastly, since you have been following this uh, sector very closely, you have been working with AI since a very long time. What are the areas where the government can do better, where India as a whole can do better? The way we feel about the space, mm. we don't have anything specific because I, I have worked in the past, particularly mm. one of my past experiences was back in the 1990s. I was mm. responsible for automating the entire U.S. Department of Agriculture in the U.S. I was in the U.S. for several years. And large, complex organizations uh, always have things that are priority for them. So um, there's two ways you can approach it. One is to say, you know what, uh, we need a lot of support, we need this. We don't do that at all. We take the government, the government, senior personnel, its machinery, we accept it as it is. And we understand that their priorities are good. I can assure you that the awareness and the interest in solving problems is extremely high. So we don't really have a lot of things that the government has to do. It's actually just a continued push from our side, working with the government, constantly identifying new areas that we can work with through the systematic approach that we use to solve problems and working it through. And what about common people? I mean, every every time something is new, there's some sort of skepticism, right? Like, oh my God, what is this happening? What if like that conversation, what if AI takes jobs? So that skepticism will always be there. So how do you think common people will react to AI being implemented in healthcare? Then, uh, the way it will happen, uh, it's, a, it's a very important and good question. Uh, my observation, I, I've been in the technology space for over 40 years. And in no instance in the last 40 years, the greatest of problems in technology, have I seen jobs vanish. I've seen jobs morph. I've been in the space where, you know, all of the work we are doing today used to be called EDP, Electronic Data Processing. 
this was good, good old dot matrix printers um, and things of that nature, which replaced typewriters. It was a huge uh, problem in terms of, oh, everybody's job will go. Nothing happens like that. What happens is as we pursue higher goals in humanity, uh, many things which take a longer time may have a higher error rate and may have a poorer delivery. When it gets displaced through intelligent automation, valid, intelligent, responsible, good automation, it gives rise to 10 other opportunities because of that. And so the humanity, because a human being is the most adaptable, they just adapt. New skill sets come. In my, in my very limited technology world, earlier people were programming in a set of languages. Then those languages itself died. So did those people stop working? No. They adapted and learned new languages. Then again that changed. Then again it changed. Changed in the last 40 years, it changed about six times. People still continue to learn and program. So what will happen, and the same thing, I can give you even common examples. The ability to get uh, your groceries delivered at your home is a way people thought, oh, because of that, you know, a lot of change. Nothing has happened. A lot of people have morphed. They have brick and mortar and online stores. The top stores in India continue to do very well because if they figure out a way in the business model to deliver to people well, in no instance will jobs disappear. What will happen is it will constantly require humanity to retool or reskill themselves in newer areas. On that note, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much.